Hello and welcome to After Office Hours with the Puget Sound Economic Forecaster. Ever wonder what it'd be like to be in a small space with an economist? This is your chance. Oh, the conversations and sidebars you are about to enjoy. We developed this podcast in our social media stream to give you the inside glimpse of what it's like to be sitting in our research center and overhearing all of our side conversations as we track what's going on in the regional economy. While we're months away from being back in our research center, more on that in a minute. We're keeping those conversations alive via email, Zoom, chats, and I think given the option, a few members of our team might be willing to try carrier vision. We're now a month out from the first publication of our September forecast. It seems like a great time to talk about what we know now and where our thoughts are headed. Before diving into current economic thoughts, let's see who's here today. My name is James McCafferty and I serve as the general manager and publisher for the newsletter. But it's really a team that makes the newsletter happen from outside partners and our centers on research staff. Dr. Hart Hodges, an economics professor at Western Washington University. Hart writes the regional forecast article and will occasionally contribute other articles based on the topics. Hart and I both co-direct the Center for Economic and Business Research at Western. Sarah Wold is our research economist and manages the switches, dials, and random charms that create the forecast. Sarah contributes meaning the articles and leading index for the forecaster. We're still practicing good social distancing for this edition of After Office Hours with not feet, but miles between us. So with all of that, grab your beverage of choice. You're likely in your own home after all. And let's take a look at what's happened in the past few weeks. I'm sure it wasn't much. So let's start with the obvious place here, take it, guys. COVID-19 is definitely leaving its mark on the region's economy. It's sometimes hard to determine if a change is directly because of COVID, came to be perhaps sooner than likely without COVID, or has nothing at all to do with COVID. So let's play a game called COVID, kind of COVID, and not COVID. So I'm going to give you the uh, uh, a title of something, and you're going to just see who jumps in first and tells me if it's a COVID thing and not, not COVID thing, or kind of COVID kind of a thing. So let's start with remote working and people not being in their offices. What say you? I say COVID. Remote work was on the rise because of technology, but I don't think this culture shift or this push would have happened at all without COVID. So maybe kind of COVID, maybe increased the timeline a little bit. All right, lots of headlines with restaurants closing. Closing. I've also seen uh, headlines of restaurants opening. So what's going on there? Is that COVID, not COVID, kind of COVID? What's going on? Restaurants, COVID. Well, but they're opening and closing, right? Do we have COVID special restaurants? No, I mean, I, restaurants are struggling primarily because of COVID. We didn't have restaurants closing. I mean, to the extent that COVID has accelerated or magnified things, uh, th there wasn't a trend of restaurants closing uh, or a hard pivot to take out the way it is now. So I'm going COVID. All right. Sarah, you agree with that? I agree with Hart. All right, that doesn't happen very often, but we'll lock you guys both in with that. Boeing's been in the news lately. Um, we've got all kinds of Boeing news. We've got uh, Boeing deciding they're going to bail on some office space. They bailed out of a space in Muckleteo the last couple of weeks. They uh, rumored they're talking about coming out of the Longacres facility and selling that facility. We've uh, heard they're moving the 787 to uh, South Carolina since our last uh, printed edition here. So COVID, kind of COVID, not COVID at all. Kind of. It's definitely a mixture. I mean, Boeing was having their production issues in the past with the with the Max, and and the big thing I think is the employment level was mostly due to COVID. They they re really resisted laying off people beforehand, but until this summer, that's really when the layoffs started. Well, the seven eight seven issues uh, that are affecting the Northwest. 
you know, the consolidation in Charleston, I mean, that question has been looming for almost a decade when they uh, improved the, the line in Charleston for the 787. So that was there, but uh, I think things are accelerated uh, because of COVID. So I'm, I'm saying kind of with a small K. All right. Average wage increases. So all the data has shown us the average wage has increased in the United States here with all of this. Is that because of COVID? We're, we're getting COVID bonuses? The difference between wages and salaries and, and stimulus is not necessarily, it's all, you know, personal income is up because of the stimulus, but wages and salaries are down. The average wage could be due to the loss of low-income jobs pushing up the average. So that's that's mostly COVID, I'd say. I'm agreeing. Oh man, this is a good show today. I, boy, the audience can barely keep in their seats. The competition stuff. Participation of women in the workforce has been dropping. Is that because of COVID, or do we got something else going on? COVID. No, I mean the, the long-standing trend of fewer men participating in the workforce has been offset for decades by more women in the workforce. But women have gotten hit so hard with this uh, pandemic, and then the double whammy of more more women staying home with the kids who are staying home to. Uh, play on their video games. I mean, uh, go to school. Uh, and they're just the fact that if I'm home and I, I can't even look for work, then I'm out of the workforce. So it's a COVID story. All right. And the last one I've got here, education. We're doing a lot of home education, colleges, K-12. What do you guys think? Kind of COVID? COVID? Not really COVID, just industry morphing itself to meet demand. Kind of COVID, right? I mean, there was there were conversations uh, well before the pandemic of why is the cost of health uh, of things like healthcare and college education so much higher and, and going up, and, and people wondering why is technology not affected education uh, the way it has, say, manufacturing and so on. Uh, so the conversations were there; it was just moving at a snail's pace. Uh, things changed with COVID, it, it, but it wasn't the first time somebody thought about an online class. Uh, so I'm saying kind of COVID. All right. So are you going to join in with Hart here or do you want to pick an argument? I agree. I think this comes back a little bit to the remote work thing. I mean, flexibility in where you are able to do your research or your work has been increasing. I mean, technological advances have allowed for productivity to remain mostly the same for a lot of jobs if you're remote and then learning is the same way. But COVID really accelerated that. I mean, it forced people to reevaluate how things are going. So it may just be another speeding up of the process. All right, this was an exciting game show. We're gonna to have to get a game show board or something for the next time. We can we can ramp this up. Economists, you know, we, we know what's going on. All right, judging from the volume of recyclable mail I'm seeing in my mailbox, I don't know about you guys, but uh, my mailbox has been stuffed the last few weeks. I have a sense there's some sort of election coming up. Any thoughts on the economic impacts of a national of the national election? Seems like a possible stimulus round, trade policies, tax policies are all subject to change based on how the election goes. How much should our listeners be thinking about the economy as they think about the elections? I'm, I think the question more is what won't be impacted. I mean, the approach to foreign trade, first of all, and, and international relations and the types of productions, the jobs that you're focusing on, all of this is going to be altered. And the timelines, the recovery, I mean, it's not just stimulus, that's the short run, but there are going to be huge differences happening in how and, and what happens with this election. Both approaches are very different. And I don't think there will be anything that's left untouched. So I think that it's crucial to be focusing on the economy in in 
thinking of the international relations and how the partnerships are going specifically with China and um, the tariffs that are being talked about right now at the WTO on Boeing specifically too. And there are so many pieces to focus on and stimulus again is a big one and thinking about is it gonna be pauses to student loan payments? Is it going to be an increase in unemployment aid? You know, all of these factors are going to have a large impact on the economy and they are changing the, the possibility of what's going to happen is changing every day with the news that's coming out and how the election might turn out. I, I agree. The only thing I'll add on the stimulus side, if you have uh, the Democrats taking control, if, if Biden is elected and you get Democrats controlling Senate, uh, stand a very, very good chance of uh, infrastructure spending bills, uh, just a lot more on the fiscal side than we've seen so far. Now, any type of spending that the Republicans don't like, you may see legal challenges, and then you have a different Supreme Court than we've had for a long time. Um, so I'm not saying it's just whatever the Democrats want, but I think on the stimulus and the fiscal side and, uh, is, is something to really watch. And that's the, the, the Federal Reserve has been saying, we've done what we can. Fiscal stimulus is needed for this recovery uh, going forward. And so I think that's, that's important. And I would have added trade, but uh, Sarah's already covered that one. So hard. I've noticed uh, multiple comments about how uh, the market seems to be orienting itself more towards a Biden presidency. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think the market is really, really rather mixed. I mean, you've got some possible trade-offs between higher taxes, but also more predictability uh, with a Biden presidency. Six months ago, people were saying, oh, the market will go crazy and it'll crash if, if, uh, if it looks like Biden's going to win because of higher taxes, because of more debt and so on and so forth. Um, that's obviously not been the way things have, have played out, you know, the, the mark, I should back up. Elections don't tend to have to be a big uh, factor for markets. Uh, yes, volatility leading up to yes, some potential volatility right after but longer term, uh, not a, not an issue. Uh, people were saying that a Biden presidency with a big change in taxes could could be a, a change, but you're still talking about potential infrastructure spending and you know, what's needed for the economy due to the pandemic, I think overshadows other things. And uh, the, the market is, is quite optimistic about a Biden presidency and or a, a blue wave, if you will, because of the spending that would happen. And of course, Hart, you'd be, be remiss and I'll put words in your mouth. The market is not the economy, right? I mean, what's going on in the market is, is not the economy. It's not typically what we're looking at. Well, yeah, the easiest thing there is um, all, you've already mentioned restaurants, and we so at restaurant closings were, were COVID. Uh, we we can all name restaurants that have closed or businesses that are struggling. Um, they're probably not on the S and P 500, right? Uh, and the things that I'm I'm looking at on the retail front and the uh, K 12 school front and women in the labor force, uh, you know, that's that's not Adobe or. So the other companies that, you know, whether it's the S&P 500 or the, or the NASDAQ. So when we say stock market, we're talking about a very specific slice of the economy, a lot of which has been doing well through the pandemic. Uh, so Wall Street, Main Street, very different things. All right. And rounding out our election segment here, we just like to remind everyone, vote. Um, 
I tried to say I'd vote multiple times, but Hart reminded me you only get one vote per person. So rules, rules. All right. So I'd like to take a reflective look at what we talked about in the last forecaster. So Hart, do you have any enhancements to what people should be thinking about in regards to the regional forecast? It's gonna sound funny, but um, think ahead. When we build that forecast, we're having to ask, not just when is a vaccine available, but when is it widely used and effective enough for people to feel confident to go to the restaurants the way they used to, to go to the gym the way they used to, to support the small businesses the way they used to. What happens with the stimulus, right? Everybody was assuming this summer that when the $600 a week unemployment expired, that it would be re renewed at some level in short order. But here we are. Most forecasts have built into them a strong third quarter. We're getting that. But then it slows back down. So I'm, I'm wanting people to really pay attention to what the forecasts say uh, in the early part of 2021. And then on the labor side, the labor market is not GDP. So we talk about the, how quickly is the economy going to recover measured in terms of GDP. I want people to uh, pay attention to when does the labor market recover? What, so other measures of, of, of economic activity. Uh, and those aren't enhancements to our forecast. Uh, we are having to adjust the forecast a little bit as we talk about when, when is the stimulus going to happen? Or, and, and what size. Uh, so I'm really not talking about enhancement so much as just the paying attention to what the forecast has been saying. All right, so what some people, I mean, as a reader of, the, of our publication, you're aware that we, we have a forecast and we also have the leading index. And what some people don't realize is we actually run two different models and use them to check against each other. And it's uh, because economists do everything twice, right? It, we're belts and suspenders kind of folks. Um, and so my question, Sarah, since you, you, you look at that leading index and you, you write the article that goes along with the leading index, what's your thoughts, leading index versus the main forecast? Are they squaring against each other or do you see some, some issues between them? They're tracking pretty closely. I guess the big difference when looking at the leading index is that it's made up of a bunch of smaller component indices. And the impact of those is, is predictive, right? It's the leading index. And so when you're looking at things like Boeing and they were having so little production at the beginning of the pandemic and they were getting hit really hard. And then from there, you're expecting growth as, as travel increases, as things start to open up and demand for travel increases. And, and you're expecting this, this upswing. And that's what we're looking at leading index right now. I mean, Hart talked about a strong Q3 and that's what we're seeing is we're, there's a lower amount of initial unemployment claims for both August and September, um, and things are pointing up, but it is that long-term change that we're talking about. If things are not going to continue growing at this speed that we've seen the last couple months, things will slow down. There are so many factors still up in the air. We're, we're talking about the vaccine timeline and, and when the stimulus is gonna happen and how much it's gonna be, that the leading index is showing growth. It's showing this, this upswing that we're talking about coming out of the, the lockdowns and the shutdowns that we've seen. But in the long term, there's still volatility because so many factors are up in the air. And that's where it tracks strongly with the regional forecast. You know, we, we, we've, we've danced around Boeing here twice. So let's let's talk about Boeing for a second. And I, um, this is one of those sidebars I, I promised at the beginning here. So Boeing, Boeing is, uh, we use their uh, order uh, backlog, if you will, as part of the, as part of our um, mathematics. 
um, that's changing dramatically as they reduce production and, and shift production, right? So there's a lot of questions. We're, we've had a lot of people ask us questions around the impacts of Boeing. I've also noticed uh, research coming out today that said one in five jobs in the, in the region are tied to the tech sector or what we call the tech sector. Um, so are the loss of the Boeing jobs really that big of a deal in that knowing a spirit of Halloween store is not going to be built on Payne Field inside factory workspace. I mean, stuff's going to be built there. It's uh, just going to change. And so is Boeing, this all this Boeing discussion, is this really just a short-term, maybe mid-term conversation into the, the regional economy? Or do you think it's going to cause a, some sort of a, a real shift? James, your question about Boeing is a tough one. Um, if we're talking to the mayor of Everett, if we're talking to the Boeing employees, it's just a very big deal. It hits families, it hits tax base. Yes, in the long run, there will be something interesting going on in, in that space. And I'm hoping, and I, I assume actually, that the skilled workforce we have in aerospace will be busy again. Uh, I don't know how long that takes. Uh, I think what you're probably getting at is Boeing's making some changes, but there's Blue Horizons with Amazon. There are all sorts of companies that uh, would, would want to take advantage of the labor force and space that's there. So longer term view is let's be patient, things will be fine. But that, that's, that's hard for families and, and city finances. Right. And I think that's, uh, I also read this morning, um, for the sake of the, the readers. Today is October 22nd. I read this morning, uh, Boeing's looking at an, uh, designing a new aircraft. And so again, they're gonna need production space and planning space for that kind of activity. Yeah, we've talked about that in, in other, other settings. The airline industry is, is always changing and uh, the hub and spoke model where you needed to move a lot of people, preferably with double aisle uh, jumbo jets uh, from hub to hub that's been changing as, as more cities have more airports and more people want to fly from one smaller regional airport to another. Uh, you've also had issues of need, planes needing to be more efficient. Uh, think climate change, uh, think gas prices. So Boeing has, has to have been thinking for years about what comes next given changes in the industry uh, and, and given these trends. So not surprising at all that there's talk about a, a new single aisle aircraft. Um, I, I wish that they could announce, hey, we're going to start building this aircraft in Everett in 2021. Uh, it's, you know, that's the, there's going to be a lag between the end of the 787 in Everett and, and the next thing. Fair enough. All right. So, Sarah, I'd be remiss in not bringing up retail sales and construction because a lot of people, a lot of our um, listeners, and a lot of our subscribers. Um, really do look a lot of that data that we're producing with that. So let's start with retail sales. Any changes in retail sales data that you think should be highlighted? Well, starting with what has been happening recently, retail sales recovered very quickly. Um, I mean, over the summer, we had already surpassed pre-COVID levels. And if you look at when the strongest growth rates were, it tracks pretty much identically with when people were getting their stimulus checks. 
And so now in September, most of that money is gone. And we saw really strong growth rates early summer, late spring, like May and June. And then things really tapered off far down. August saw less than 1% growth. It was very, very minimal. And September was a little better than expected. As we start to move into holiday shopping, you're going to see a little bit of a seasonal boost. And then in the long term, it's really going to come down to stimulus. Because if you look at where the spending is happening, if you look at by income level, who's spending the most and who's being a little bit more cautious, it's mostly low-income spending that has recovered to pre-COVID levels, maybe not exactly, but far closer than the higher income. And that's mostly because that spending is need-based spending. It's food and other necessities. So the higher-income individuals have been much more conservative in their spending, and they're not spending as much. It could be in part due to things being closed and in travel restrictions. But the big story is that if the wealthier individuals aren't spending as much, you're not going to see as high a growth rate in retail sales. And in the long term, it all comes down to stimulus. How much are we going to get? When is it going to happen? If you do pauses in student loan payments, that's a couple hundred dollars a month in the pockets of the lower income people. If you do another round of stimulus checks, that's money that doesn't have to be spent on needs. It can be spent on frivolous things. And, and that's where you're going to see stronger growth rates in the long run is with stimulus. Perfect. Uh, you know, I saw again today, uh, Amazon has, has made final news that they aren't going to send people back to their corporate offices until next summer. A lot of businesses are worried about that um, down in, you know, South Lake Union and places because they're not having seen the foot traffic and that's, those are those high wage jobs. So that makes that makes perfect sense. But, you know, that, that brought me to thinking about remote workforces. And I'm, I'm wondering about your thoughts as, as you look at the construction data. What kind of impacts do you think this is going to have on construction? I mean, I'm thinking about new leases and lease renewals um, as people kind of rebalance how they're using commercial space. What's what's going on in commercial real estate in general that you think uh, should be expanded on? Well, I love this topic. I love talking about this because there's the opportunity for a large cultural shift in how we approach work. And we've been talking about this throughout the whole pandemic in, in how remote work in, is changing. And is this going to be a long-term effect or not? Is this going to be a fad that in six years we look back on and say, wow, that was weird and now we're all back to normal? Or is, is remote work going to remain a viable option in the long term? And it's also we don't know how widespread this culture shift is yet. I mean, us in academia, the university is not going to be a remote university. Like there are still certain regions that are more, or industries that are more hesitant to take on that culture shift and move to a more remote strategy even in the long term. But Boeing, you mentioned earlier, considering selling long acres, Microsoft, Twitter, and Slack all have long-term plans or at least some flexibility for remote work. Large employers in the region, Amazon, you mentioned, pushing out their timelines, allowing people to work from home. And that's going to have large impacts on the types of service jobs and other support jobs that happen in the regions where those people typically work. The King County Builders Owners and Managers Association president said that they didn't expect um, commercial occupancy to hit pre-COVID levels until 2024. That's, I mean, even if you assume the beginning of 2024, that's three years from now until we reach, you know, pre-COVID levels. There has been a spike in subleasable spaces, obviously. I mean, lots of places are empty. People are working from home. They're trying to fill it with subleasers. 
But there are lots of com large commercial construction activities that are still going on in Bellevue and the U District and Westlake. There are large construction projects still in the works. This might mean that people think this isn't gonna be a long-term thing. People don't expect remote work to continue on a large scale. It's, it's still a little too soon to tell. We're not seeing in the data these full stops on the construction that we might've expected given this opportunity for such a large culture shift. I've been fascinated, Sarah, by the stories. You know, we had REI abandon their court, new corporate headquarters that wasn't even finished yet. Brick and mortar business, right? And then, nope, we're not going to have that. And who scoops that up? It's Facebook, the non-brick and mortar business. So I think you're right. And I think who, who uses what type of space is going to change. Um, I don't think we're going to see, you know, whole buildings empty by any stretch. But definitely those changes are going to be, be interesting to watch. So that brings me to thinking about employment in general. So Hart, um, we've mentioned in a couple of talks that we've done lately um, that the unemployment rate might be misleading in itself. So can you explain why and what might be a better measure? Well, I don't think it's misleading uh, as much as potentially misunderstood. It measures the number of people looking for work, out of work, looking for work as a percentage of, of the labor force. And that means it misses anybody who's disgruntled, not looking for work or looking for work, but not, not that is not identifiable as such. We've already mentioned in, in this show, the women who are home with the kids and I mean, they might want to work, but they're, they're not actually looking for work because they don't even have time to do that. So there's lots of different questions about unemployment. If I'm, if I'm working part-time, and I'd rather be working full-time, I'm not counted as unemployed. So it doesn't really measure underemployment. Uh, it doesn't capture people who are out of the workforce well. It also doesn't show detail, right? We, we need to remember to, to look at unemployment by gender, by race or ethnicity. The labor market is a very different world for, for different people. Uh, so when we look at one measure the simplest broad measure of unemployment that gets reported on a regular basis, <clears throat> it's an important measure. But we have to remember that my unemployment is not your unemployment. And we also have to remember that sometimes it's important to look at uh, ratios like population to employment uh, picks up more people. You always want to look at, at data from different angles. So it's, I'm going to go with mis misunderstood. Misunderstood. Okay. We're in, more... Incomplete. Incomplete. All right. So any, any thoughts on how employment recovery looks in our region? I know that today we, we saw that, you know, today's Thursday. So we got the, the most recent unemployment numbers and they look somewhat similar to what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, what, uh, where do you think this is going in the region? Slowly up. I mean, but the emphasis on slowly, right? Cause we, we had that bounce back and Sarah was talking about the retail spending, uh, being quite quite strong in, into the summer with with all the extra stimulus money, but you know you you, you get a bounce back only so far uh, as the stimulus can can take you. You're not and it, and the stimulus doesn't fix uh, somebody's comfort level or confidence. A lot of businesses are going to be struggling, and a uh, smaller business in particular, the face to face retail, they're going to be struggling through the spring into the summer. It's going to be slow. We'll be figuring out ways to make those businesses work better. So there'll be slow recovery. We'll get a vaccine that's going to help a ton. But, you know, typically we say 
while GDP will get back to pre-pandemic levels, possibly this coming summer, second or third quarter of, of next year, the labor market does not get back to pre-pandemic levels until 2022. The recovery is, is sort of a fast in the early stages and then slow. And we have to be very mindful and, and try to work through that slow period thoughtfully, carefully. And I think we're hitting that slow period. Fair enough. So Sarah, we create, uh, and when I say we, it's mostly you. We create monthly updates, which are available to our online subscribers. Um, can you share anything you're looking for, towards for the next set of updates? I know you just posted updates last week. Those come out typically about the middle of the month. Um, anything you're already starting to look at for next next month's updates? Oh, definitely. I mean, I said this last time and I'll say it again, but Boeing has been throwing curveballs at us and it seems like every other day there's something new in the news that's going to affect what I say in the next month that we release. And so I would say to track Boeing, I'm also closely watching vaccines. We just, Washington State released their plan for vaccine distribution. We don't have a timeline yet, but each of these things changes how people are reacting to vaccine news and if it comes out and confidence in it and the, obviously it's October so next month is the presidential election and we discussed the impacts that that is going to have and so it, I guess there are so many things to watch you know it feels like blink and you'll miss something and just keep your eyes on every development that comes out because all the impacts that are happening are vast and quick. <laughs> true enough true enough well I want to thank both Sarah and Hart for uh for joining today in this conversation. I Hopefully uh, we uh, will continue to, to keep passing more information and then we'll keep recording these podcasts as we we do one at least every quarter, but uh, we will add extras in as, as, as life throws us more curveballs. We, we can record pod, podcasts as well. That brings a close to this edition of After Hours, the Puget Sound Economic Forecaster. This edition is brought to you by the pen, paper, and envelope lobby, which reminds you to have your say in the world and vote. We encourage you to follow us on social media to have a front row seat of reading over our shoulder on a daily basis and to learn about other ways to connect with us. You can always reach us via, via our website at uh, cebr.ww.edu or by email cebr at ww.edu with questions, comments, or if you're interested in having us come and speak at a year event, we do those at least virtually at this point. We are happy to do that. Just please just let us know and we can get you on our calendar so we're able to speak to your group. In the meantime, from all of us at Western Washington University, have a great day and be sure to do your part by masking up. Thank you.